Oarsman Chevrolet in Marlow Heights, like our friends at Chirpin, are committed to serving the DMV. We've been doing so since 1921. We know with these unsettling times how difficult it can be to view and purchase a new or pre-owned vehicle. We are trying to make this easier for our clients by offering Oarsman to go. We will bring the vehicle of choice to your home or business while properly following CDC guidelines. We also offer a complete remote vehicle purchase online using shop, click, drive from our website, oarsmanchevrolet.com. Along with protecting our customers and employees, we have teamed with Chevrolet for some great deals through the end of this month, including 0% financing for 84 months and deferred payments for up to 120 days. We have some great offers such as 12,000 off Silverados and new vehicle payments starting at $199 a month. Visit our website, oarsmanchevrolet.com for details. We are all in this together and we want to lessen the burden of purchasing a new or pre-owned vehicle. When choosing a dealer, trust the folks that have been doing this for nearly 100 years, Oarsman Chevrolet, where you always get your way. Please contact Kenny Powers. He's the GM, and let him know the Chirpin Boys sent you. He didn't yeah. want to let Backstrom down. He didn't want to let OV down. If I go to Rocket Bar, I know I'm getting pretty fucked up. I think this is a good player. He's a very good, skilled player. The Hurricanes are fucking garbage. Dude, if you played the Billy Bruins back in the day, you knew this play. What it do, DMV? It is episode 59 of Chirpin' DMV, uh, day after Memorial Day weekend. Let's say what's up to the boys real quick. KPAB. AB, you just got back from a little sunshine. Yeah, uh, I just got done telling you guys. I was All right, so I went down to St. Pete, and I literally got beat up by the state of Florida. Like, got the absolute shit beat out of you. Yeah. Um, yes, on the last night there, I just <laughs> flipped down an entire flight of stairs. The hardest wooden stairs, deepest set of stairs that you could ever imagine. And I do not feel good. Yeah, literally got banged up by the state of Florida. Uh, Johnny was sending me some snaps all weekend. You guys look like you had a quite the time. The place you were at was dope. Yeah, the place we had was dope. We had a pontoon there. We took the pontoon out on Friday. Um, and then we just, like, I don't know. I think we were out there for, like, four hours. We went and stopped at a restaurant, um, finished a couple buckets there. And then, yeah, I mean, that's what started the booze fest, basically. That's what started well, actually, the booze well, fest. Well, actually, we got there Thursday morning. But um, it kind of took, like, we didn't get going until, like, I don't know, like, four or five o'clock. But, um, yeah, once once we got rolling, we didn't stop. Did you guys see any bladers down there? Any rollerbladers? <laughs> no rollerbladers. I was no actually saying ducks? that myself. I was like, dude, this is a perfect town to fucking rollerblade around. Same. It's, it's, a, it's a dope balls. little spot. We went down there for our, our Riken tournament two years ago. We went down to Tampa Bay in January. We had a great fucking time. Awesome dude, place. Well, so, St. Like, Pete is like – Still like twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, away it's still from a little Tampa. bit out there, which is technically but, where we were because we were technically in like St. Pete. Yeah, it's it's like it's such a low key town, but it's like it's just got a great like at, positive like atmosphere. I don't know. It's I think it's a t- I think it's a tight ass town. It was a good time. KP, nice weather, Memorial Day weekend. Did you get out on the boat anywhere? Were you up to? Now I've actually uh, took myself to the course. Been a golf guy this weekend. Watched some golf. Played some golf. So I was on the links. Yeah, I was trying to go Saturday, but I fucked around, and we were going to book them Friday night, got too drunk, woke up Saturday morning, and by then everything was booked up and taken for the day. Yeah, I had my shit booked like Tuesday the week before. Right, 
Right. Yeah. Let's see. Saturday or Sunday. Was it Sunday or Saturday? I don't know. One of these days. It's been a long weekend. Went booze cruising around DC, hopped out of waterfront or down in Navy Yard, got some beers. Uh, but nice. let's get to some something very interesting. So this is kind of all developed over of course of like three or four days, but it really looks like hockey's coming back or at least the return to play process of potentially having hockey's coming back as you know, teams, the NHLPA executive board agreed on a return to play format. Uh, now the league is going to start making an announcement, this, that, and the other 29 teams voted for it. Two teams voted against those two teams were Carolina and Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, the one makes sense. I was kind of shocked that Carolina voted against it, to be honest. But I mean, Tampa Bay makes sense. I I'm not in love with the uh, like. I'm not in love with the format, but I don't hate it. Well, it I never, they it voted in against. Go ahead. I don't think they're like because obviously they just have. I think this was just a vote on to start this debate process of this format. I don't think they're like voting on quite yet the actual details of the format, but yeah, yeah, they all voted to start the discussions at least. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I was, I mean, we, we already had our kind of our debate, I guess, last episode on whether or not like you would think like if a team from like below the 16th seed ends up winning the cup, like what's it like, what's it just doesn't feel fair to some of the other teams and shit like that. But, I don't know. I mean, if, if this is the only way to get hockey back, fuck it. Let's go for it. KP, thoughts on yeah, what I seems mean, to be a legit return to play potential for the NHL? Yeah, hope it happens. I mean, I don't know how – like, if this is, like, a big step or a little step, I, I mean, I don't know because there's probably a lot more to go on. But uh, at least they're figuring out at least a format. I guess that's first. And I mean, like AB said, that's, I'm kind of at the point where I just want, want hockey to return. So whatever they put out, I'm for it. I mean, we mentioned the Hurricanes being one of the two teams that voted no on the 2014 playoff format. Their kind of reasoning per Sarah Sivian of the Athletic was uh, they went from an 80% chance to make the playoffs to a best of five. Uh, and there, there's a couple things. I didn't read her whole article, but the, the biggest thing for them is they had an 80% chance of making it to that round of 16, but now they have to go play this best of five uh, playoff and make that first round of 16, which has, I think, it's both of its benefits and its downfalls. All right. Um, they were one of those bubble teams that, I mean, I think they were going to get in anyway, but this is a, it, pretty much it's, they, their complaint is exactly what I was saying last episode. I mean, it's another, it's just one whole other step in the road for them to maybe not even be a top 16 team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I, I, I think there's a benefit of playing a five game series over what the caps would have to do in this proposed format where they just play the round Robin against Tampa Philly, Tampa, Philly, and uh, Boston. Oh, but I think, like, it'll benefit some of these best-of-five teams more because you're playing a legit series, unlike the Caps, who are in this round-robin. They're not really facing an elimination game. They're kind of exhibition games in a way, if you look at them that way. But To reseed? I don't know. Yeah, the reseeding. I feel like it's benefiting. I didn't even think about that, Billman. It's given those teams, like, a little, little potentially five games. Yeah, right. they get playing an actual in a, playoff in an elimination game. format. Yeah, right. They're playing meaningful games while the Caps and those other four teams on each side that are waiting, they're just waiting around. Yeah, and so and they could be like, I mean, I kind of doubt any team would do this, but like so, like 
some teams might be sandbagging because they like a better matchup and they're like, all right, we want, we'd rather play them than this team and shit like that. I mean, I don't know how how all's gonna go well, down. Well, if it goes if it goes down the way it goes down, I think the favorable matchup is honestly, is it the seven ten matchup or it's like uh, the Islanders, Islanders and Panthers? Panthers? Yeah, I yeah. take that. I don't want to come out of that Canadians or Pittsburgh series. I mean, there's literally a tweet that said, for it's largely due to the remarkable reputation of Montreal goaltender among his peers. This much talk about the format of what appears to be a 24-team tournament has fixated on how unfair it would be to face Carey Price in a best-of-three or best-of-five, multiple sources report. Yeah, I mean, that does suck because he can almost steal the entire series if he really plays well. But um, I don't think the Canadians are good. I mean, I know – and they actually do have our number, but I just don't think the Canadians are, like, deep enough and are good enough to handle them. I, I, I honestly, I kind of think the same for Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh's got the star power, but um, I just don't trust their goaltending. I don't trust Matt Murray. I don't know who would be starting for them. Um, well, they got that rookie as well. Yeah, they got yeah. Tristan Jerry. I think of everything for every team at this point, unless you have like a legit number one goalie. Like if you had one, two goalies, it's a, kind of a question mark coming out of this. Uh huh. A hundred percent. Like I don't, I think they would still start Matt Murray over Tristan Jerry at this point, like two months down the road. The only thing is that, like, these coaches will a thousand percent are going to have like a short leash, I think, on their goalie situations. I agree. Now, for that play-in round, would you prefer to see KPLSQ first a best of three, five, or seven series? I mean, at least five. Three I games think seems seven's like seven's too, too much. Not enough. Three I think five's short, perfect. But... I think five would be good, but I think the biggest debate was making it five or seven for some reason. I would agree. I think five. Because five's still going to take a week. Yeah, I think five is enough, too. Especially if, like, I think, I honestly have said sometimes that they should make the first series, the first round series, uh, five, best of five anyway. Like, when when everything's, like, back to normal. Yeah. I feel on there. So, uh, and it looks like too that there would just be two hub cities, obviously one for each conference. Uh, we're starting to see, as we mentioned for pretty much every episode, more and more states are starting to open back up in terms of professional sports without fans. Uh, Darren Drager, he tweeted that Edmonton is literally like pitching a presentation to be a hub city. They're saying that they secured golf courses, cooler temperatures. You know, they have outdoor big screens for movies and other games and stuff like that. They, they said they're planning a ton of fun shit. So if these players do come or if their families come, then they have a lot to do in Edmonton. I mean, I – sure, I mean, sounds good to me. I was just saying, like, I, I don't think it matters. I don't think the hub city really matters as long as they have one. No, it doesn't. It's just kind of interesting that you, you might see teams starting to pitch that, hey, come, to, come do it at our place, this, that, and the other. But then again, low-key, they'd be thinking if we have – if we're a hub city – and then for the Eastern Conference hub city, and there's fucking games all day, all day, all day. There's say yeah. there's four games a day for however long. Yeah, it's they're like, oh, we could economy. start. Yeah, especially right there and paying their employees off and all that stuff. So yeah. Well, yeah. we haven't mentioned yet our interview today, John Bucci Gross, Bucci Man, Bucci OT Challenge from ESPN. This was a fun interview. Oh yeah, he's super chill guy. Uh, he was what was he drinking bourbon? Yeah, he was just sipping some bourbon, having to having to go at it with us. And then, yeah, got some free shit out of it, maybe. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. KP, thoughts on the interview? Yeah, I mean, he has some good takes on stuff. Love the Ovechkin takes. So, uh, it's a good interview, definitely. Yeah, he's he's the biggest, like, OV, like, OV fan oh, in yeah. the sports media world. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah and, and big sports media. 
He's a big OV guy for sure. So, I mean, we can kick it over to him now. We can talk about one more thing. Let's talk about this real quick. Uh, KP, I know you saw him. The Nats unveiled their World Series rings. What do you think about them? Yeah, pretty sick. Uh, pretty cool. They had the shark in there. The shark with the trophy. They got the but, shark uh, on the inside, yeah. Yeah, uh, pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm glad they got it. And hopefully we can get baseball back too soon. AB, did you see the ring? Thoughts on it on the bling bling? I actually didn't see it, but I got to take a look. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sick. Yeah, like KP said, they got, they got the shark in there. With that being said, we might as well kick it to Bucci, man. All right, guys. For now, welcome on ESPN Sportscaster, co-host of SportsCenter, play-by-play guy for the NCAA Hockey Championships, and creator of the great Bucci OT Challenge. John Bucci, bro. It's Bucci, man. Welcome to the pod. How you doing? Peace. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so kind of let's just start here because you're known as the hockey guy pretty much at ESPN, you and Melrose, but I don't think a lot of people really know – where it all started. So when, when did hockey start for you? When did you fall in love with the game? I mean, did you play growing up outside of Pittsburgh or? Yeah, my dad was born in, uh, born and raised in South Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, kind of like the goodwill hunting character. Uh, he was really good at math, um, but he didn't swear. That's the only difference. My dad, my dad was one of those dads who never swore, but he was tough. He was in the army. He was blue collar born during the depression Played hockey in high school with no mask, uh, just a good all-around athlete, very competitive, love sports. Um, if he was a crack dealer, I would have grown up a crack dealer. Whatever my dad was, I was going to be. I was always at his hip pocket. And um, he, uh, you know, he loved all sports. And in the early 70s, and I would have been, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, the Boston Bruins were the biggest thing in Boston with Bobby Orr at the helm. And so that was just a big magnetic thing for him. I absorbed that especially through radio, because um, we lived in Pennsylvania, as you mentioned. But you could, back then, you could get radio stations all over the country as clear as a bell from St. Louis to Boston. And uh, so we listened to Bruins games on the radio crystal clear, Lee. And uh, he, would leave, he would leave meticulous statistics. He was a, he's a very organized guy. And uh, so, yeah, I just kind of grew up the game on the radio. When you grow up the game with the radio, you invent the game in your mind. Uh, you kind of, uh, you kind of, you know, picture it and invent it. And to me, it was this big gothic, my chemical romance video where it was just blood and these old arenas with an organ playing. And it was a lot like church. My, my parents were also very Catholic. So we grew up, we went to stations of the cross every holy day of obligation. I was an altar boy. And so to me, hockey and church were a lot alike. There's a lot of blood, a lot of organs, these big, <laughs> churches church-like uh backgrounds and so it, it left an, a real visceral image in my brain and so it really stuck again i loved all sports whatever season it was i followed the clock i was one of those rare american kids who uh also added hockey to the basketball baseball football menu so i was just kind of an aberration because of my dad because where he grew up because of the bruins were so popular the bruins sucked in the early 70s, maybe hockey wouldn't have made as, uh, as an impression on me. So I played certainly street hockey, skating on the pond. I could, I could always skate because my dad took us, obviously, skating. There was never any organized hockey where I grew up in western Pennsylvania. There is now, but there wasn't when I grew up. So yeah. I had to go on ponds, street hockey, play in the living room with a mini – actually, didn't even have mini sticks when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, you play between the legs of a, of a love seat or whatever. And so it was uh, – it was pretty real, and I, I took everything really seriously and, and paid attention to everything pretty seriously at a young age. Yeah. So was the Bruins game the first NHL game you ever went to? 
Well, we would go to Pittsburgh once or twice or three, four times a year to see Penguins games. Uh, sometimes it was the Bruins, but not always. But certainly when the Bruins came to town, my dad would take me one hour drive to Pittsburgh to go see the Bruins and see them in real person. He also used to take me to minor league hockey games in Johnstown. Oh, yeah. Where they, were, uh, where they got the inspiration for Slapshot, the Johnstown Jets. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing bench-clearing brawls. With, I'll never forget this one dude. He looked like he was 70 years old as I look back. Because back then, guys who were 40 looked like they were 70 today. It's yeah. just it's a different time. And I just remember him being on top of this guy, just drilling him, just feeding him with these uh, punches. And, again, like, I'm seven years old. I think it was a, my, my brother was in the Boy Scouts. Um, I wasn't always big on groups and organized things. So I, I, I kind of did the Boy Scouts thing without being in the Boy Scouts because I think my mom was a den mother. It was like a field trip. So we went there, and there was a bench-clearing brawl to, uh, to give the youth of America a nice role <laughs> model afternoon. So, yeah. Um, and whenever, whenever game was on TV, I would watch. And so, yeah, like I said, it was, uh, it was just, you know, a sports fanatic. My dad was a sports fanatic. And so, uh, I, I absorbed it and consumed it like he did. Yeah. And you've been consuming it obviously to an insane amount the past couple of years. I mean, for uh, obviously with your career too. So let's kind of start, I mean, where this season ended, we'll start with college hockey. Who were kind of some of the teams that you thought were going to make that final four trip or the frozen four, I should say, I believe it was in Michigan this year in Detroit. I yeah. mean, a lot of good teams. You had some sleepers like Penn State that was making a huge push. That's a team that's never been one of those. I mean, what were your thoughts? Who were some teams that you saw maybe winning the championship? Yeah, you know, it looked like North Dakota and Cornell were the big two. Um, obviously, North Dakota, great traditional power. Cornell has a 1-1 in a long time. That would have been cool if they would have got to the Frozen Four. They have a lot of rich alumni, so they mm. probably would have flown to the game in their private jet. To right. The <laughs> uh, I always root for a good Frozen Four that could, you know, create the most buzz. I would like to see an Ohio State there. They would have been a slight – it's not sitting there. They've been a top-10 team all year. But, you know, people would have driven up from Columbus to, you know, to Detroit not a long drive. Um, you always root for a Michigan team to get there. The Wolverines were coming a little bit. Um, Minnesota State's been a good regular season team the last few years. Haven't had great tournament, tournament success yet. So, uh, yeah, and you mentioned Penn State. Um, you know, great program early in their, uh, in their creation. Next year, the Frozen Fours in Pittsburgh, where I did my first one in 2013. It'd be cool if they got there. That's, again, it's great for attendance, great for buzz. So, but they, they lost a lot of guys this year. You can see they've had seven or eight guys sign professional contracts. So this was the year for them. They had a lot of depth, um, but they should recruit pretty well going forward. They have a great coach, and uh, it'd be cool to see them in Pittsburgh. That, that Pittsburgh one in 13, that was um, Yale and Quinnipiac, right? Yeah, Yale's first national championship right. uh, would have been Quinnipiac's first, so we had a guaranteed first uh, champion. That was really cool. Like I said, I was born there. I was born about a driver in Threewood from the arena, so it was kind of cool for me to do my first – you know, again, a kid growing up an hour from there listened to hockey games on the radio when I was four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years old and then end up being able to call a national championship game there. Um, like I said, a, a few blocks from where I was born in Allegheny General Hospital yeah. – um, it's just life's cool, man, and America is really cool. And right. so sometimes shit like that happens. <laughs> I, I remember sitting in the uh, – because I was in West Virginia at the time. We drove up to Pittsburgh for that to get some college hockey, and I was like, this is this is nuts. Um, so, Go ahead, A.B. I was going to say, do you see Arizona State ever uh, making a push here soon for the Final Four? I mean, I know they're a pretty new team in the NCAA, but I just I, – I feel like they could recruit pretty well. I mean, Arizona State's a fun school to go to. A lot of hockey guys – I've sure would love to go there and I just think 
they could recruit well and get good enough to go and make that push. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to, to bring a recruit there and, um, you know, to see the weather, the girls, yeah. um, just it's a great place to obviously to recruit. It's an easy exactly. place to recruit. The uniforms, too. Yeah, we're awesome. Great colors. Um, great coach. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously not, they don't have a conference yet, which in some ways can work to their advantage. Right. Um, they can build up some pairwise points, um, you know, pretty well. We'll see at some point if they are able to get in a conference. Um, but, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a whole new world. It's not the, the world isn't like it used to be. Anybody can be famous quickly because of technology. Yeah. Any school can recruit um, if they get the right guy and they get the right momentum and they get, get the right vibe and um, they have the weather on their side as a recruiting tool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have the greatest facilities in terms of a rink, mm-hmm. and that, that, that can certainly um, be a big factor for a kid. But if they can work out and they can – have a great place to, to get better and get stronger. That's, that's the biggest thing for them. And it's kind of cool to play in those little, little rinks now. You know, there's a big home, home uh, rink advantage. You can really play, play – they play a really on-the-edge, old-school college hockey style, which I think also helps them because a lot of kids aren't prepared for that and they get rattled, especially right. there. So um, jumping to the NHL, kind of we were talking about the NCAA four teams. What are four teams from the NHL, two from the East, two from the West, that you saw making a push for the Stanley Cup this year? Yeah, I, I like how that question is framed. Um, I thought the big two in the East were Tampa and Boston. If I had a bet, I always say, what would you bet your paycheck on? You know, it's not, it's not a whole bunch of money, but it's one paycheck, and we all need our paycheck to pay our rent. So, like, if I had to bet a paycheck on the East for two teams, I would, I would take Boston and Tampa. And, but certainly Pittsburgh and Washington were right there. You know, they're, they're like, you know, Washington's probably as there as Tampa and Boston. It's probably, so it might be even smarter to take Washington. Um, but Tampa was really coming. They yeah. had a lot to play for because of how they were embarrassed last year getting swept by Columbus. The Bruins are just a real deep wagon of a team. They're coming, but Washington's right there. Pittsburgh's probably the only other team I could see. And, and Toronto. You'd have to give Toronto an outside chance. Everything worked perfect, perfectly for them. Right. All those young kids went nuts, and they got great goaltending. Could have happened. Reasonable chance. But Boston and, and I would go Boston and, and, uh, and Tampa, probably in the east. In the west, I think St. Louis is still the favorite as to, to get back there again. Um, so I think still the best team from day one of the regular season, they were ready for the playoffs. Um, they're, just, they're constructed for the playoffs. And that would probably go Vegas. You know, they've been so aggressive. They have a veteran goaltender. He might be starting to slip a little bit. Um, but I would probably still go Vegas because, you know, this are, when teams prepare and trade, and, and, and make these trades with the championship in mind, I think that actually feeds into the roster in a good way. And they're like, okay, they won those playoffs arrived. They're like, okay, we're ready. They built us for this. We have the parts for this. Now this is our time. And they almost feel entitled in a good way. And so that's probably why I would lean uh, towards Vegas as my other team in the West. Um, yeah, so my opinion on that, like Tampa Bay, I completely agree with. Uh, they were just – I mean, they had a slow start to the season, but then they just ramped it up. And I think this may have been their year. I mean, that they've been struggling. They've been right there every single season, it feels like. And I think this may have been the year they get there. Uh, the other team that was scaring me out of the East was uh, Philly. Uh, Philly was on fire at the end there. And I just – I thought they had – they were heating up at the right time. Um, and Washington, honestly, they – I mean, they have the experience to get back to where they were beforehand, but they – we're rolling at a 500 clip since about the end of December, I think. 
Um, so, yeah, my, I, I feel like Philly and Tampa would have been my two teams. And then, yeah, St. Louis and Vegas, I feel like they were – Vegas was heating up. St. Louis has always been rolling. And Colorado was right there too, I thought. Yeah, I mean, the Capitals might have been bored with the regular season because they know this is it for them. You know, Holpe's gone. Right. Um, you know, they like um, – you know, they have some salary – like Tampa. This is it for Tampa. I mean, yep. they, they have salary cap Armageddon. They have to make a lot of moves. So this is so when you have that, like the Capitals, it's like I think it's just you go for absolute broke, and sometimes that can that can you know play in your favor. But um, I agree, you have to you have to pay attention to long term trends, um, and maybe it just like you said there was a bit of a malaise with the Caps, but um, I still think they would have turned it on late, and yeah. they would have figured out a way to be a fact. Like I said, I, I mean, but I I, you know, I respect you. I, I just think the young goaltender with Philly. Could have yeah. been a factor in the playoffs. Yeah. But now, if the playoffs are shorter um, and not a two-month odyssey, and now everyone's refreshed right. and healthy, then you could throw maybe throw a Philly back in the mix. So that kind of leads into the next question. If the season does return, there's been all these rumors tossed around. 2014 playoff, neutral sites, multiple with multiple teams. Uh, what do you think is the most entertaining way to go about these playoffs if they were to happen? And what's the most realistic? Um, yeah, I mean, they're always entertaining. So they probably, those two, you know, they probably, those two quite, that two part question probably falls hand in hand. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to imagine a playoff hockey with no fans. Um, what that vibe is like, it's gotta be weird. Um, I mean, the UFC stuff, that's different because those guys started usually in, uh, in small remote places. It's still a fight. I mean, there's a guy right in front of you fighting. So that's, it doesn't really matter about the fans for them. Yeah. It's, you know, they're really – they're so focused because they don't want to get their face smashed in. But you know, hockey just really, really you know, relies on that. The emotional sports rely on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the big mystery. Could it be entertaining? Will it be, will it be uh, theatrical? Will it have drama in an empty ar- arena? And that's the big question. We just don't know. And uh, this is just such new ground. It's hard to forecast what it looks like, what it would feel like, would it feel legitimate? Well, um, I mean, just imagine if they bring the cup out, and no one's in the arena. I mean, right? Yeah. Kind of like I can't. That's it's implausible to even think about that. Yeah, like last year, St. Louis has the yeah. fireworks behind them, and um, <laughs> they do fireworks with no one in there. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, and it's cool when you're on the road in front of all the fans who wanted you to lose. Like, that's a cool right. vibe. It's almost cool to win it on the road. It's they're two totally different feelings and they're both great i'm sure yeah. um but it, it's it's, it's kind of neat to win it on the road uh, in a lot of ways mm-hmm. yep. you do the lap with the cup and there's just nobody in the arena You're like <laughs> yeah, yeah everybody's just skating around like what the fuck <laughs> exactly exactly you know hopefully by that point you bring in some family members you know maybe even you go every four seats every third row you can do something right, right. Can, to make it work uh so kind of switching gears here a little bit um a lot of the time on twitter Ov scores a goal. You have that Ov Gretzky change <laughs> countdown to catch Gretzky. Basically, uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, what you see? Ha- I mean, you've posted a million times what you see happening there, but obviously this kind of slows down things and makes things unpredictable. What do you see happening here? Yeah, you know, it, he came to film his. This is Sports Center commercial, 
or Sergey uh, with uh, with Varlamov. Right. Uh, yeah. What's Ver What's his first name? Simeon or Simeon, Simeon. Varlamov. Yeah, yeah, but they were Russian spies or whatever. Russian spies. So he, while he was there, I said, "This is my chance, maybe, to interview him." Because at that point, I started writing a hockey column on ESPN.com in 2001, mm. and did that for about 15, 16 years. Probably one of my one of my career is all said and done. That'll be one of my favorite things I did because it was all mine. Mm -hmm. I could do whatever I wanted every week. And so while he was there filming that commercial, which was 2010, nine or 10, he's a young guy. He's like 24. Yeah. It just kind of dawned on me that, you know, he's off to a start and uh, we're, and then, you know, I'm very, I'm, like I said, I've, I've always been observant since I was been a little kid. I see he's a big, powerful guy. He's got a big ass. He's got a great shot, and yep. those and great slap shots don't age. Like you're, you have a slap shot till you're 50 when yep. you got a slap shot. And I'm thinking, and so I, I, and I remember, I guarantee I'm the first person ever who asked him, "Could you break Wayne Gretzky's record?" Because he's 24. Right. Yeah. Don't think about it. So I guarantee this is my story, and everybody better cite their sources in the future. <laughs> and uh, so I asked him, and then and off that, and obviously he was stunned. I don't think he really, but he's just, a, he's really a cool guy. You know, just, I was really impressed with him that day, just seeing how he interacts with people and his manners and all kinds of stuff. He really grounded human. I, I like him a lot. And then, so at that point I wrote this column kind of forecasting, taking into consideration, you know, as you age and uh, things can go down and also historical precedents. You know, when Brett Hall was this age, he scored this many goals. When, Brent, when Brendan Shanahan was this age, he scored this many goals. When Phil Esposito, I'm looking for guys in the slot, living in the slot with big shots like Hall. Esposito didn't have a really big shot, but he was a big guy. Mm -hmm. um, Shanahan, the same kind of type of player, right-handed shot, and like Hall and Ovechkin. So I kind of went through the years and said, you know, when he's 37, Brett Hall scored 37 goals. Why can't he? You know, yep. Brendan Shanahan at age 36 scored this many goals. Why couldn't Ovechkin? He's got a better shot. He's, he's better than right. Shanahan. Um, Hall, he's probably about his equal. But he's a better athlete mm -hmm. than uh, Hall. You know, he's, he's uh, got a, his mom was a great basketball player. His dad was a great soccer player. He's got great genetics. Um, and so I just went through the year by year. And I, didn't, I didn't even add it up. I just went through a little bit of attrition, a little bit of a historical comparison, and played till 40, which at the time wasn't, again, still wasn't totally out, you know, unreasonable. And right. I got to a point where it was actually really high. It was well above Gretzky. So <laughs> I, I scaled it back. And like I said, it, it, so at this point in my mind, I'll be shocked if he doesn't break it. I'll, wow. be, more, I'll be more surprised if he doesn't score 1,000 goals than if he breaks Gretzky's record. I like to hear that. That's how I look at it. And for the people say this year, what about this year? How much – he had 11 games he lost. It cost him like five goals. Yeah. It cost him three weeks. <laughs> yeah, the only, thing that, the only thing that pisses us off about is that he doesn't hit 50 again. We want to see that 50 burger. Yeah, we're, we're big right. 50 a year pod. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he lost the, obviously he lost the first lockout because he would have been a rookie. Mm -hmm. He would have played when he was 18. And so I gave him like 35 goals. He scored 50 his rookie year. But yeah. he was 19. So that's given 35 when he's 18. He was so good the second lockout year, the 48-game year. Yeah. He was so good. 30-plus goals. He wouldn't have had much more. So give him 10 more, say. Now he's got 45. And this year it might have cost him, like I said, six goals, maybe five. Yeah. So now you're talking like 50 goals. So 
I don't think it's – again, that's, that's a full season. But right. for him, and as he gets closer, and like I said, with his body and his commitment, he's got a kid now. He's going to want his kid to see him do well. Right. His kid yeah. is seven, eight, nine. In the old days, hockey players got married young at 20, 21, 22. Now they get married at 30, 31, 32, 33. So he's going to have that extra motivation because his kid doesn't remember him now. But when his kid becomes seven, eight, he'll be able to remember his dad playing hockey. Right. He's going to have extra motivation to go. Yeah. And, and that may continue till he's 43, 44. I mean, I mean, George Blanda played quarterback for the Raiders when he was 47. People talk about Tom Brady. George <laughs> Blanda did it in the 70s. He played quarterback when he was 47. Yep. So it's not like this is new. So, and I, like I said, I, and I take my Ovechkin projection only till 40. But he certainly could go like Yager and those guys. He, he'd go right. he'd more. Like yeah, said, right. He might yeah. want to do that for his son. And I assume he'll have more babies, one or two more. He, and he, he's going to want to play for, so those kids can remember him. Yeah. So between that, obviously, catastrophic injury is always a possibility than any other thing. And, um, but I really – I'll be shocked if he doesn't do it. Right? Yeah, I mean, like you said, he could, he could have like a Yager career, played till 44, Chelios played till 47, so, so, shit like that. But yeah. I think when, it, when I really looked into it was when – I think he tweeted like maybe like three or four years ago. Um, he has to average like 34 goals until the age of 40. I was like, that is very, very doable. Very doable. Like I said, like, yeah, you said. And look, look at him now. He's not – and every time he has a year like this year, it keeps lowering. Right, exactly. Like, 32, 31. Yeah. And like I said, these guys, Hall, Shanahan, Esposito, they had like later in their – like 37, 36, they'll have a big year where everything goes right. And, right. The other thing, and the other thing is he's got Kuznetsov and Backstrom. He's playing with great yeah. players. Right. That's, that's important. That's luck. That's important too. It's like Patrice Bergeron is playing between Pasternak and Marchand. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, those are top five wingers in the game. Now, Bergeron, I had him as like a borderline Hall of Famer when he was 30. Now he's a lock. Yeah, he definitely is now. And a lot of it is because he got fortunate to play between two guys who are awesome hockey players. Right, right. Yeah. So you cover the sport, I mean, at the highest level of sports media there is. And a lot of people have done the same throughout Obi's past. have obviously criticized him, talked a little bit of shit on his defensive play, this, that, and the other. Did you ever have those thoughts about him? Did you ever kind of think his that the defense was bad? I mean, we – Obviously, Milbury was never a fan of his, was really dragging his game a lot. But did you ever have some kind of some of those similar thoughts early in his career? No. I, I defended him from day one. That's um, our guy. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought the Russian thing was um, just – I don't know what the term is. I don't want to use the incorrect term. But um, I, I, Canadians – and obviously, Milbury's an American. But Canadians would always go anti-Russian whenever they could. Yep. And, and like I said, I just don't have any, I don't have, luckily, I, I don't, it's not a, I don't, I'm not looking for a compliment, like in terms of, you know, nationalism or racism or it's just sexism. It's just not my, I just don't understand any of it. So, right. But again, that's just the way I'm born, thankfully. So it's not like it's an, an effort for me to feel that way. It's just, I don't get it. Um, I just, and I, I always made the comparison with Ovechkin. He actually reminded me of my son, Jack. And even Brett, my older son, they both played hockey since at a young age. I built a backyard rink in my yard here in Connecticut. Whenever somebody else scored, he's more excited when somebody else scores right. than when he scores. Yeah. And to me, that, that says so much about a human, about a person, that he genuinely gets so excited when somebody else scores. And to me, once I saw that for the first time, 
he had, I was hopelessly devoted to Ovi. It's like, that shows you you're a good person when you instinctively feel so happy when somebody else scores a goal, you know, because it's so hard to score. That's why players go nuts when they score. It's mm -hmm. difficult. It's a, like I said, I played every sport growing up, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, golf, tennis, and there's not a more frustrating sport than hockey. It's the most frustrating sport. You will commit misdemeanors and felonies because you're holding that stick and because of frustration more than any other sport. That's why when guys whack guys and slash guys and even say things, I give them all a pass. Yeah, wires, the wires have crossed, so that's it. Nothing, yeah, nothing turns you into a devil like hockey. It's yeah. just, that's just the way it is. And so for him to act that way, I just love it. So I just, I've always tried to defend Russians, defend him um, in, in every step of the way. We, we welcome all Ovechkin supporters uh, here, obviously. <laughs> so something kind of interesting is, you know, the book you wrote with Jonesy and about Jonesy uh, that came out back in 07. I'm kind of interested of how that all went down because I believe it was only in 06. It was a year prior you signed the book deal and then you guys cranked it out, got it out uh, the year later, correct me if I'm wrong. But how does, how does that go down? Do you just kind of meet up with him and just guys have a couple bourbons and start spitting stories out and writing it down? or A little bit. Okay, so what happened was Keith Jones – and uh, which the book kind of spells out, had to retire early. Um, what happened was he tore his ACL trying to slew foot Eric Daze, which he's very open about. It was kind of his fault. He tries to slew foot Eric Daze in the playoffs, tears ACL. At that point, you have two options. You can either take a cadaver to fix your ACL, or you can, you can take the middle part of your patella tendon in your kneecap, use that to fix your ACL, and then your patella tendon grows back. And regeneration grows back. His never grew back. So he's complaining about his knee. Doctors, you know, keep looking and say, your ACL is fine. He goes, there's something wrong. He's playing the NHL, and he can't jog across the street. Like, he literally cannot jog across the street to avoid cars. He's afraid he might die trying to – because he can't run. But he yeah. can still play hockey because they can tape it up, and you can just glide, and you can figure it out. So anyway, so he has to retire, um, and he comes to work at ESPN to get in television. They always give the guys who interview well the first chance at television. Mm -hmm. But when you're interviewing after a game, you know, your shirt's off, endorphins are flying, you're just answering questions, it's different. You go to a TV, you've got a suit, you got makeup, lights are on, okay, be interesting in 15 seconds. Where kind of, you can got to, you know, with, with interviews in the locker room, you kind of shoot the shit with the guys, and, and you just, you're comfortable. It's your atmosphere. And um, so he comes up with me to do to a game. So we do the preview, and we do in-between periods, and then the post-game. And he's terrible. He's like, he's like we, we do the pre-game, and we go to commercial, and he's like sweaty. And he goes, boy, this is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> so, I was like, so in the meantime, but we were hanging out. We're going golfing. We're, we're, like you said, we're, we're having a drink or two. And he's telling these amazing stories after a year or two. Because what happened was he left, kind of flamed out, went back to Philadelphia and did local stuff, local flyer stuff. Mm -hmm. Came back in the playoffs and he was great. Like, and, and that's the same. It, it kind of mirrors his NHL career, uh, where he wasn't like he always used to say he'd go home in the summer and all his buddies were better than he was at hockey. But he just kept showing up. He just kept showing up and showing up. Guys would get homesick and miss their girlfriend and miss their hometown, and they would quit eventually in juniors or minor leagues and go back. 
he just kept showing up and he made the NHL because all my friends were like, a lot of my friends were better than me. Um, so we kept, so like I said, he came back and he was really good. His suit looked better. He just, he got it. He he's one of those guys who understands, he figures things out and understands how things work. And, um, and so, but he, he, he told all these great stories. And at some point I'm like, we really should write a book. I mean, you have all these great stories and I'm writing my columns. So I'm kind of in a writing mode. I figure I can just write each chapter like a, like a hockey column. And so, yeah, so we just got into that and he, and I kind of put all these stories down a couple he left out that I wish he would have kept in. Um, but yeah. And the big kicker for me was I didn't really want to write a book cause it's a lot of work, but what happened was my basement flooded. And I thought a lot of it was my back porch backyard area kind of pitched towards the house. And I felt like, geez, that's, one reason why it might've happened, if we could just pitch it back the other way. So I wanted to pay for a back patio that could kind of grade it and put a patio in and that might absorb some of the moisture. So that my basement never flooded. I probably never would, would have written that book. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Writing a book was hard. So the advance of the book paid for the little back patio. It wasn't a lot of money. Hey. Enough to pay for the back patio. That's why I wrote the book because my basement, I kept putting it off, but but uh, Jonesy was great. He's been on NBC for a long time. And, mm-hmm. yeah, just a really cool story of a guy who didn't work out, ate pizza in the summer, played junior B, junior C, never played major junior, went to college hockey, again, just showed up, and then he ended up playing with Peter Forsberg and then playing with Eric Lindros. I mean, and now he's on NBC for the last, what, 15 years? It's he's like, doing a great job on the national broadcast. He's a great guy and just uh, – who knows? Maybe we'll work together again in the future. Right. So quick, quick fire question off of that. If you had the opportunity uh, to do the same book, the story of an NHL player's life, past or present, the history of the game, which guy would you choose? I, started talk, I talked with Chris Drury early on, you know, a while back about maybe doing one with him because he had a really interesting life with the Little League World Series. Won a national championship at BU, wins rookie of the year at, and with the Avalanche in the NHL, um, you know, wins the Stanley Cup. Uh, now he's almost running the Rangers. He's just, he's just a really interesting guy. And uh, that didn't quite, you know, like I said, it just, it's hard to write a book and it's, and, um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, I, at some point I'd like to write a, a, a book of all my favorite hockey columns that I look that I've written on ESPN for 15 years. Let me go back, maybe improve them a bit and then maybe write like a, a column looking back at that, what I was thinking about and update them kind of like a then and now kind of a right. thing. Yeah. Something, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Something to leave my kids. Something to, uh, to kind of just a simple little book, a bathroom book, or whatever book, just to kind of – so I've been thinking about maybe doing that. I probably should do that now yeah. now that things are slowing down. Or just go the, go, to, go the audio book route so you just got to talk the whole time and not to worry about writing anything. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, it's hard to write a book. Yeah. KP? Yeah, so I believe it was like 2012 playoffs when uh, the Bucci OTE challenge started. Was that just like a simple tweet you sent out, really weren't thinking about it? Was there a plan behind it? Can you go through that? Yeah, none of my life is a plan. Um, you know, back at NHL Tonight when ESPN had hockey, I got hired in 96. I got the NHL Tonight job in the fall of 98 and had that till 2004. Um, and that was a big deal. You know, before the internet video was any good, you had to watch NHL Tonight to see hockey highlights. And, and uh, so it was, uh, it was a kind of an appointment viewing to see. And I, I didn't realize how many people watched. I just, like I said, when I started doing the show, I just like, I feel like I'm in a, closet at one in the morning doing these hockey highlights and I go to the all-star game in Tampa Bay and it just looks like everybody's looking at me like wasn't everybody looking at Mike Madonna is like 
and like all these players and, and media, like, why are they looking at me? And then people started to say, Hey, I love the show. I love the show. And it didn't dawn on me. People, anybody was watching. I'd like, I, I'm kind of oblivious. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of dumb that way. I don't understand. I can't, I see little things. I don't see big things. Right. So was, I couldn't believe people actually watched and they really liked it. And that was really cool. But you know, when the, when our show would go to the playoffs, we would follow a game, a playoff game. And when it went to overtime, we don't know how long it's going to end. We had a right. Penguin Flyer, what, five overtime game once. Mm-hmm. And luckily it was a seven o'clock game. But we, we, me, Melrose, and Ferraro would throw a dollar on the set and pick one guy in each team. And if your guy happened to score, we would take the other two bucks, put it in our pocket, and start the show. And yep. If someone scored nobody had, we would put the ball, our, our dollar back and start the show. And, yeah, back like in 2012, I just figured I was in the parking lot. I'd see the Bruins game and uh, against the Canadians. I, was up, I, I drove up to Boston. I don't, I don't live very far from Boston. And I figured, I'll just throw this out there. I call it the Bucci Overtime Challenge. It's kind of a dumb name. It was kind of a very literal name. It probably, if I ever – had a focus group, I probably wouldn't pick that name. <laughs> but I just, I, I guess I just threw it out there as a lark. And I, and I was surprised how, and I just, I would retweet 10 people because right? retweeting was big currency back yeah. then. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I would just, I'd retweet 10 people. And I just couldn't believe it. the more I did it, the more I couldn't believe all these people were, you know, were, were playing, so to speak. And then towards, towards the end of that first year, I go, maybe I'll make t shirts next year. And I'll give, them, I'll give like 10 away to winners, and then I'll also give you a chance to buy them, and I'll give the money away to, hockey, to a hockey charity of some sort. So I bought 1,000 T-shirts. I was really nervous. It was like six bucks a piece. And, you know, small, medium, large, extra large, double XL. Cost me like 5,000. I'm like, am I going to sell these T-shirts? Crap. So I give away 10, and, and like I said, and people start sending me money in the mail in envelopes. Like I don't have a website or anything. They're just sending me Money them in 10 minutes. Yeah. please. And, and then eventually I got a GoDaddy website and then I, I got a Shopify now and I give it away a quarter million dollars because of this silly game and because of college hockey. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's been a really cool way to connect with fans and uh, give me something to do during the day as my kids have grown and moved on. And I got divorced. So I'm kind of, it gives me something to do and, it's been fun to kind of design products and, 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 and stuff like that. So it's just been like another muscle to do. And it's really been a blessing. It's really to be able to write checks to charities and give away a quarter of a million dollars and, and also connect with people. And I got the size wrong. Oh, my bad. I'll send you another one. Keep it. And, you know, it, it's been really, a, really a blessing. Really. Yeah. I've, I've gotten more, so much out of it. You're breaking all these deals with these people. You'll you'll get a deal. It's like, uh, I'll bet you Paul Vodatsu gets three assists tonight. If not, I'll buy a shirt and shit that's like that. Fun. Yeah, that's yeah, fun. I love this. It's really cool. Yeah, that that's really cool. And and uh, they'll make and again, they want it, it's just fun way for them. Even if they lose, they get something. If they win, they get something. And, and if they lose, it goes to a, some sort of charity. So yeah, it, it's been an amazing, awesome blessing. I think yeah. AB's got a bone to pick with you because yeah, he's the one guy I've seen win it like 30-plus times. <laughs> how are you choosing these winners, man? I've, I've, well, all you have to do if Chicago is in the playoffs and they're going to overtime, just put Patty Kane. He's going to fucking score. So I've won on Patty Kane probably. <laughs> Mr. Like, Clutch. But I tell people, if you're going to pick a person, pick a fourth liner or a defense. Right. Because it's very random, first of all. Mario never got an overtime playoff goal. Messi never got an overtime playoff goal. Ovi. No, really? Obi's never scored one. a. Obi's never scored an OT playoff goal. Good to know that. I, I got to add that to the list. 
But and the thing is, even if you take OV and he does score, you're in a pool of hundreds of people. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, maybe even thousands. If you take, you know, just a, a random defenseman, there's going to be 40 people who have him. So if I'm picking 10 winners, you got a one in four chance of winning. So yeah. you're better off taking the third, fourth liner, or even a defense. Maybe not so much a defenseman. They don't score quite as much. Uh, like Edmondson scored for St. Louis, I think, in the Stanley Cup this year. You know, but that, if you have him, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get sweat. Yeah, the one, the one that I got, like the first one I ever got right was the Joel Ward one, uh, 2012 against Boston. Yeah. And I ended up calling it like as a joke before the game. I, like we had a a Caps party or whatever. It was Game Seven. We're in my buddy's. We're in my buddy's basement. I'm just like Joel Ward, game overtime. Uh, Overtime winner tonight, I'm calling it. Nice. And I was, like, just joking around, and then he ends up scoring the overtime winner. I was like, well, oh, DM, me your, DM me your information, T-shirt size. I'll you <laughs> there we go. Posthumously. <laughs> right. But, yeah, that was, the, that was probably the, the first one I think I ever got. But then, yeah, Patty Kane did it, like, four times. and I was That's just cool. Like, like you said, that's 2012. So, like, if you're a 14-year-old kid in 2012 – you know, now you're graduating college, you go in the work, the workforce, and like you kind of grew up with the Bucci overtime chat. Like that blows right. my mind, yeah. stuff like that. You know what I mean? And yep. I feel like I've been playing it for so long, and I've won like twice my whole life. Like I said, AB's <laughs> won it like a hundred times. I feel like I'm like, uh, yeah. The only reason why we got you on is so that I could get that free shirt. So thank it you. Worked. <laughs> it worked. Uh, KP. So uh, you do the play-by-play for college hockey championships. Would you say that is the the thing you enjoy most about your job? Is that your favorite thing you get to do? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's the highlight of my year. Um, you know, the TV contract, this is the last year coming up. Um, next season, the last year for NBC. So negotiations will open up this fall. So all the networks can make their bids. And we'll probably find out January or February of uh, 2021. That, you know, that they usually announce it early because they got to give networks a chance to hire people. So obviously it would be awesome if ESPN got back into hockey and I got to do NHL play-by-play. I got to the World Cup in Toronto a few years ago and called that crazy Nathan McKinnon overtime goal. I see that. I'm like, I'm five years old again. It's like, I can't believe that's me calling this amazing goal. It's like, that's, that's, that's a cool thing. And it's such a good uh, call too. I, yeah, I got electric. I got, not all my calls are great, but um, cause yeah, I don't do a lot of games. I'm trying to get better, but I really was happy how that turned out. I was with Darren Pang, which made me very comfortable. He's sitting next to me. Holy jumping. Yeah, holy jumping and uh, Kevin Weeks in between the benches. I love Weeksy, so I was very loose and relaxed. So, yeah, so I would love for ESPN to get back in the hockey game after next year and to be able to do play-by-play. That would be like a great culmination of my career. I mean, if they still want me to do some sports centers, that would be cool. I love doing sports center. I love doing highlights. Like I said, I love every sport. So it's a good, it's a good venue for me. You know, ESPN came on the air when I was 13. I always wanted to be on ESPN. It's a, it's a place for grinders for people who work hard and uh, which kind of fits my, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania in a, near a mining area. Then I moved to Ohio when I was 11 and grew up in a steel mill town. Both areas were kind of depressed. So I always grew up in really tough blue collar areas. So that's kind of like my mentality. It's what I like being around. It's kind of people I like, kind of environment I like. And ESPN really is kind of like that blue collar grinding type of place. So it fits me. That's why I've been there 23 years. That's why I never left. Because, um, I mean, thankfully, they keep asking me to stay. But also, I don't think I would have left even if somebody offered me twice as much money. I just, it, just, it just fits me well. Right. Is there, like, a play-by-play guy in the hockey industry that you kind of study and learn from or kind of follow? I try not to do that. I really want to be my own voice. I Natural. Want to be, 
I want to be different without being um, distracting. Um, yeah, I think that's really important uh, is to try to be courageous and try to be a little different. Obviously, if like I said, I grew up on the radio, listening to these great play-by-play guys, and then I've been a big fan of Mike Hamrick. And, and um, there's a lot of guys. And so they're, they're going to seep into your brain anyway. Mm-hmm. And, but for the most part, I really want to be a little bit different and try to approach it with even different vocabulary without it being forced. I don't want to force vocabulary. I just want to be myself, have fun, not try to be funny, but have fun. Always make the analysts shine. I want to set them up. I want them to be good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm better that way. They're the stars. And uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to create something different and try to be something different. That's kind of the interesting about you when you call games because you'll mix in that lingo like, oh, saucy or slick mitts or like thin mints on it. And I enjoy that because it's like getting that lingo into the game, getting some, getting some fun shit going on. But a lot of people will come back at you and be like, oh, that's corny. Why is he saying this type of yeah. stuff? But I mean, mix the lingo in. Like, why, why the hell not? Like, look at the wheels on him. He's buzzing this, that, and the other. Buzzing others. around. Yeah, like I said, I'm just trying to have fun. And yeah. it's not forced. I don't. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be different. I don't want attention. I don't care about being famous or I don't care about awards. I really don't. Right. Um, I just, uh, I just want to have a good time. And, and unfortunately that's what, you know, my being at ESPN for 23 years, people, obviously not everyone's going to like you in, in any, you know, any part of life. No one, not everyone's always going to like you. And so what happens is you start to build up this immunity to, uh, to any feedback because you want to you need to protect yourself from people who criticize you especially when they're you know really rude or whatever and so but the problem when you when you build up that kind of defense where nothing can get to you like nothing right. there's nothing you can say that could offend you. like <laughs> but the problem is when someone gives you a nice warm compliment that also doesn't always reach you which is kind of that's the bad part like someone really gives you the heartfelt compliment and uh, that really meant a lot to me. That column you wrote about your son's last hockey game, that meant a lot to me. I really enjoy watching you on SportsCenter and, or stuff like that. Sometimes that doesn't get to me as it should and make me feel better because that's, per- that's, that's the person's intent. They want you to feel good. They, hey, you really did something. You know, I, I love watching you at night. It means a lot to me. And, but sometimes that also can't get you when you build up that immunity for all the criticism. Right. Yeah, I mean, like you just mentioned it, the bid to get NHL is going to be coming up shortly. Obviously, your dream would be to call games, uh, NHL games for ESPN. I mean, if that if you guys don't get that bid, say it stays with NBC or goes elsewhere, and you're still at ESPN, say an NHL team comes to you, you know, hypothetically with a, yeah. we have a play-by-play job, you know, full-time, you're the color guy, on, I mean, you're the play-by-play guy on TV. Was that something you consider? I mean, you put your time, you put your hard work in. Is that something you kind of like to pursue? I think I would. Yeah, I really would. Um, it probably depend where the, what the team is and where the team is. Um, I probably would have to have some of those. Um, Pittsburgh or yeah. Boston. <laughs> you know, or, or in Florida. So I, can uh, be there, I can be there in the winter. Get the golf, uh, great golf courses. Exactly. And uh, vitamin D. But yeah, I would consider any, I might have two and a half years left on my contract with ESPN. Um, that'll take me to 25, which is a cool number. Like I said, I'd prefer – and ESPN has been very flexible. You know, some people – like Dave Pash, he's a great play-by-play guy for us. We're college basketball. and He does Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. uh, football on the radio. So I could see a thing where if a team came to me and said, hey, we want you to do games, I might be able to do that. And if ESPN get, gets games, I could maybe do also ESPN. Right. 
if I want to double up. Right. We and had still, Joe. And, we still had Joe. Maybe, and still maybe do Sports Center in the summer. Right. Could, there you go. There you go. So Mix it all in. Yeah. In the old days, they weren't as flexible with that kind of stuff, but now they are. And, um, but yeah, ultimately, it'd be great if ESPN got hockey and I could right. do college games. I could do the, still do the Frozen Four, our few regular season games, some NHL games, maybe mix in some sports. And I do like to do a lot of things. I like, and I could even call college basketball or call a baseball game would be, that'd be like a dream come true. I love baseball. I grew up loving baseball, playing baseball. And if I could call a baseball game, I mean, like I said, I would love to do a little bit of everything. I really do like all sports, still love all sports. And with ESPN Plus, we're kind of in a buying mode now, which is mm-hmm. cool with, you know, the Netflix for sports. And so there's a lot of opportunities there. I'd love to call golf or basketball or hockey and so all kinds right. of stuff. So, yeah, we'll we had up. Joe Beninati on uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were kind of grilled, put him on the hot seat about if he'd take a national uh, calling play-by-play job. So we might have an opening here in D.C., so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll start to kind of wrap it up here with a couple more questions. So one of the coolest things that – I think you do is when you wear the ACHA jerseys on sports center. Mm-hmm. How, how did that start? I mean, did somebody just send you a Jersey, like a team just send you a Jersey yeah. one day and we're just like, Hey, here you go. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to toss this on. And they see team see it. And then next thing you know, you probably got thousands of ACHA jerseys. Yeah. How big is that closet, man? It's got, you got to have <laughs> jerseys. It's huge. What happened was uh, for some reason, Maryland sent me a Jersey, a, uh, club hockey jersey. I don't know why they did. Right about that yeah. time, Scott Van Pelt just got his Sports Center on midnight. You know, they right. took, they, they want him off radio and give him this TV show at midnight. I've been actually talking about that for like 10, 15 years. I'm like saying, why don't we have like, like Fox has Hannity, Bill O'Reilly at the time. Like it's all the same content, but they still have a different anchor. Like why, don't, why wouldn't Sports Center do that? You know, and, and then they, you know, I always – and then they did it with Van Pelt at, you know, the midnight show and um, kind of like get up now with Greeny, probably about the same way. But so he got his sports center and he was very, you know, being Scott have always got along great. We, our sports centers back in the day were a lot of fun. People seemed to react to them on Twitter. They really enjoyed them. They thought this is like old school sport. This is fun. You know, same, same age, same sensibility, same sense of humor. And so I think, so he asked me, Hey, won't you come on my show and do, do the hockey highlights for me? Because you know hockey so well. I said, that sounds great. So I had this Maryland club hockey jersey. So I said, oh, I'll wear this because Scott went to yeah, Maryland. Yeah, I'll yeah. wear this club hockey jersey on there. So I do that. And you can imagine everyone starts to email me or DM me. Hey, if we sent you our jersey, will you wear it on SportsCenter? And uh, I said, yeah, sure. So I give my address. And I wear Seton Hall. Then I wear Alabama. And then, then I start doing In the Crease on ESPN Plus, the nightly highlight show on ESPN Plus. Yep. I think, oh, I do that show. I don't do it all the time. Linda Cohn's the main host. I'll wear a club hockey, I'll wear, you know, club hockey jersey on there as well. And so between Scott and, this, and In the Crease on ESPN Plus, and I would, take a, you know, obviously I would take a picture of it and then tweet it out, I might have more followers on Twitter than viewers on, e, on In the Crease on ESPN Plus. <laughs> So, yeah, so, so, yeah, it's become exponentially grown. I have easy 100 sweaters in my closet of all kinds of cool schools, you know, Florida, Alabama, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, it, it all started because we're in that Maryland jersey wow. because Scott went to Maryland. And I'm doing this hockey segment. I'll throw this on. And, again, all, whether it's Pucci Overtime Challenge, college hockey, which was just a silly 
hashtag based on the miracle movie, Why Do You Play College Hockey for the girls. Yeah. Just kind of threw it out there. Oh, now, now I've made hats and T-shirts. And like I said, I probably sold a million dollars worth of merchandise in the last 10 years. And, and after postage and buying it and packaging it up, give it, you know, give, give the money away. Um, things just kind of happen to me. I, I'm not smart enough to plan stuff, to yeah. brand stuff. I just, it's stuff. Just just with it. just the, cool, the cool thing about ACHA teams is they can make whatever the hell they want for jerseys. Yeah. So you, I like the Oregon Ducks one you wore the one time was That's pretty awesome. sick. Do you have like a favorite, do you have a favorite one? That's one of them for sure. Arizona State sent me one that I haven't been able to wear yet because I haven't had a hockey show since they sent it. Um, whether in the crease or on Scott show, but it's, it's a beautiful sweater. I like, I like Alabama's. Like I, I like those schools that people don't realize they have any kind of hockey team, you know, and obviously right. the casual hockey fan thinks that they're like all division one. They, mm-hmm. they can't differentiate between division one and club hockey, right. they just see a uniform and, a, and stuff and think they're all the same, but uh, Oklahoma with the big, uh, you know, sooner schooners, an awesome one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's one. the Oklahoma one stands out for sure. And then the Oregon duck, those are probably the top two ones that are really awesome. Um, another thing that you do in the wintertime that I always loved and tried to be a part of was uh, people would send you pictures of them playing on a pond, yeah. a boomerang, something in the backyard. You'd give them a retweet. Uh, they'd kind of say where they were. That, and that was all – that's cool. I mean, is, how, yeah. how did that start? Same thing. So, I, you know, I'm not sure. Probably started back when I was at my backyard rink um, across town here. And I would – you know, thing is, you know, hockey – outdoor hockey pictures are such great photography because the light is so good as anybody knows in photography or videography lighting is the most important thing and obviously with outside with the sun and the reflection off the ice it just creates amazing pictures so it just looks great so i probably you know, i wrote a column on my backyard rink um if you, you know, google butcher grass backyard rink you'll see my old backyard rink um and, and so those pictures probably where it started. And then I, I was in actually a documentary called Pond Hockey. They came to my house huh. and they filmed some stuff and they interviewed me and my, and uh, with me and my kids playing in the back. And I was in that. That's kind of cool to be in that little, that, that little uh, documentary. I actually think I have that documentary. Is it yeah, that's really cool. And I was in there for a quick second and it was really neat. And so it probably started there. And then once I got more on Twitter and people, send it out and yeah then just kind of go with it and uh, once they get people are smart they get the you know say where you're from and then i then like last year i created not this past winter two winters ago i created all the pictures i got i created these little videos i mean because your iphone you can create these awesome videos with music right. and dissolves and they do all kinds of different ways and and, and those are really cool so yeah so it's really you know i I'm a, I did, when i was a kid my 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 first goal in life was to have a wife and kids that was like my biggest dream like that was even more than being a broadcaster and I got married at 25, dad at 26. And so just having the whole, the whole point of family and sports team, to me, they're kind of inter, they're interwoven. Right. Having teammates, having, you know, being a dad. And I just, I loved all of that. And so it kind of, that's why those pictures kind of remind me that of people coming together, you know, kind of, you know, just in those awesome times when you're just having fun. And that's what life's all about. And that's kind of, that kind of gets to me. Yeah, so with everything going on in the world right now uh, and ranks being shut down, I've really seen a wave of street hockey, kids getting outside, kind of finding the wheels, finding the rollerblades. I'm a big roller hockey guy. With uh, ESPN 8, the Ocho coming back, do you think we could ever see roller hockey or some kind of street <laughs> hockey out there? Maybe maybe you could do the play-by-play. 
that, that's that's something good. I'm actually I'll email that to some of our people saying we should look into that because that is a good one. And I'd love I mean, there's it. some there's some good tournaments out there. Yeah, like, me and Melrose go to one of the places and, and, and call the play by play. That'd be that'd be really cool. I I will send an email tomorrow and, and, and check and out like State Wars hockey. They got some good players. You guys would love it. Or we just create some crazy because it is ESPN eight the Ocho, so it's gotta be just fucking off the wall. So we just create <laughs> some crazy like street hockey type absolutely. Oh. Throwback to the Cali, uh, the Cali Pro Beach Street yeah. Hockey tournaments you know, with, the, with the NASCAR corners and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be crazy. That'd so, be great right now. Right. So, last question we got for you, Bucci May. We really appreciate you coming on. It's been awesome talking to you. And you, you may not want to answer this one. You may want to keep your secrets safe. But uh, what's the secret to making the best chicken parm possible? <laughs> well, it starts with a good piece of chicken. I like the thin slice, so I always go thinner slice. And um, obviously get your mozzarella cheese at the deli, you know, okay. whatever you can, a little better cheese. I like the Paul Newman marinara. That's kind of like my go-to marinara. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that's right. That, those are the three key ingredients, a good piece of thin sliced chicken. The Purdue thin slice Italian style is good. Crack an egg, put it in a bowl, get all the yolk around it, and then get your Italian seasoning breadcrumbs. Get it all on there and then put it in your little Pyrex pan. And then put in the oven for 10 minutes at 390 because when they're thin, usually it's 400, but I go a little 390 for maybe eight or nine minutes. And then you put the sauce on, cheese over it, back in for 10, I'm sorry, for 19 minutes. Take it out, put the sauce on it, cheese over it, back in for nine minutes, and you got your parm. Are you giving it a nice little, like, uh, in the cast iron, do you heat the oil up, maybe give it a nice little crisp on each side, and then put that cast iron in the oven? Yeah, not that meticulous like i said just use a clear pyrex pot for nine take it out sauce and cheese back or for 19 back in for nine that melts the cheese over and it's usually perfect bingo well there it is well i got one last question bill go ahead so i see you tweet well i've seen you tweet multiple times i'm just a guy who puts on makeup in front of a tv in front of a recording screen over under on the pounds of makeup that you put on (laughs) <laughs> no, we're men wearing makeup talking about sports. That's, yeah. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's the line, yeah. Well, we have makeup artists at ESPN, and uh, not too much. They just kind of put a little spray, a little bit, a little dabble on that. But now with the pandemic, we're putting our own on. Ooh. So they give us Ooh. these little packets because they don't want us right in our face. So I just kind of – this little MAC powder, just throw it on. It takes me 12 seconds, and I'm on. Mm-hmm. Nothing – that's it. Just a little, that crazy. It's, it's not three hours like Game of Thrones style. Or no, it's like <laughs> literally right now it's twenty seconds. It's there like I don't, it's just this little stuff because the lights are bright and white. I don't put any anything else on. People, I've been I've been accused of having a hairpiece since I was thirty years old. <laughs> My job in Providence, people would call and say, "Why are you wearing? A, it's not a hair." Do you think if I had a hairpiece, I'd want my hair to look like this? You know. <laughs> So yeah, I've been accused. I've been accused of wearing eyeliner and makeup. You know, like I said, I'm half Italian. I got dark features. Don't kill me. Don't have <laughs> dark features. Bingo. Well, like I said, we really appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on. It's been great, kind of shooting the shit, talking hockey with you. We're big fans of everything you do over at ESPN, and hopefully, we get hockey back and have some Bucci OT challenge to get us through playoffs this year. I love the name. Uh, it's an awesome name you have there. And, and three, you guys were four great, three great guys. I'm the fourth guy. Three <laughs> great guys at, a, at an awesome time, and keep it up. All right, thanks again to John Bucci-Gross for hopping on. Like we said, awesome interview. Stuck around a lot longer than I thought he would. And KP, you might have a job with the ESPN 8, the Ocho. Yeah, it's looking that way. Uh, John reached back out, I wish. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes from here.
<laughs> so the blog lives. I don't know if you guys saw it over the weekend. Our boy Blake, Stack Guy Blake, he actually posted a blog. So I believe it was Saturday was the two-year anniversary of Game 7 beating Tampa Bay in 3 to nothing, going on to the Stanley Cup uh, and eventually winning it. But, yeah, let's just kind of talk about – let's talk through that cup. Let's relive that series a little bit. I mean, KP, we Caps win first two games in Tampa, blow the fucking doors off of – the bolts and then it's bolts three straight caps obviously the last two so what do you remember from that series you go to any of the games you go out to the bars for any of them what yeah i mean i was all around for him i went to dc for a bunch uh i mean i remember the first two games i was like holy shit we're just steamrolling tampa like i was almost like ooh, caps in five maybe caps in four but uh tampa tampa had their hand after that but uh game seven i was i was at the uh Capital One Arena, they had the basketball court out, but I was at the watch party there. Place was going nuts. Maybe then, I uh, think we might watch the majority of those games from the beach house. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. We were going crazy. And fucking – that was the best Caps game probably ever. Game uh, seven? Like, performed by them at least. I think oh, that yeah. was like – the. I think it was the perfect – like, the picture-perfect game from the Caps, I think. I mean, you get all, you get a shutout from Holpe. Um Two straight I mean, shutouts. I mean, Wait, we kind of you can't we can't we never mention your boy scoring two goals in that game. Yeah, I, and I, I and I called it. I said I forget what I tweeted, but I tweeted something about Burkowski being scratched until he scores two goals in the next game, and then shoves shoves it right in my face, and then he went and did it. That's probably that was probably his best game as a Capital. Yeah, probably yeah, game mean, seven. Pretty massive. I went to game four. Eastern Conference final. Went to game four in DC with Curb, and I remember. Trash and Burakovsky. I don't. Uh, yep. I don't know if he'll scratch that game or he just played terrible that game. And I was thinking There's, about the game before, but I remember, I remember just tweeting and trashing him, and then yep. he gets scratched the, the next two, and then bang. I did the same fucking thing. Uh, I couldn't remember if it was game four or game five, but I was just like, yeah. And I know what he's gonna do because every time I talk shit about Burakovsky back then, every time I talk shit about Burakovsky, he would go and score. Yeah, it was like a superficial thing. I remember I probably tweeted at you, wanted it, wanted it to happen. Yep. Yeah, so game one, uh, that was, what, the 4-2 win. Caps already leading the series. And then game two was, was that 6-3 to and was that six to three or something? 6-2? to two? I don't know, but game I do. Two? Yeah, it was it was a steamroll. And OV was, like, lighting it up. I think he had two or three goals in his first two games. Mm-hmm. And I was just – and I was with Kyle. I, was, or I wasn't with Kyle, but, like, I was in the same mindset. I was like, dude, we're going to win in, like, five. Like – yeah, we're, yeah, we were dominating them, and that's what I said in the regular season too. I said, uh, if if we stayed off the power play or PK, uh, yeah, off the penalty kill, we beat that team five on five every time. I know they're like, I know it was Tampa Bay, yeah. and they're a really good team, but we outplayed them five on five almost every time. And throughout play. the series, we did. Yes, a hundred percent. Like, well, I think the, the, games, only, the games we the lost, we got in a little trouble, and that, that's why we lost. Yeah, I was gonna say that was the only reason why we went seven games with them is because. Uh, games like three, four, five, we just or games three and four, we were just taking penalties and five, I think. For yeah. that well, I, like we mentioned, watching the game at the beach house and watching it with the Philly guys, and even when we were down three games or two, we're like, dude, I'm not even worried. They're like, we're not playing bad. We just get they just score on every power play. It's kind of a given, but when we're five on five, we're dominating them and we're sticking into these games. We just we're taking dumb fucking penalties and they're torching yep. us for it. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, we were doing the same thing this year, too. We were just taking dumb fucking penalties. I don't know what it, what it is with them lately, but I mean, they've been doing it for two to three years now, it feels like. 
<laughs> literally just taking the dumbest penalty is the worst time uh, possible. But, yeah, then Holpe back-to-back game six and game seven, just two absurd shutouts. I mean, Obi, when he scores a minute and eight seconds or whatever it is, and a minute and two seconds in the fucking game seven, it's like, huh, this yep. might be good. Yep, that was weird. That was the two perfect games I could have ever played. And I was the funny thing is I was actually just watching the Stanley Cup film. Uh, I was just watching the part where they're going through the uh, Pittsburgh series. Oh yeah, and um, Joe Joe B. I think says on there, like in that game six, um, they have to like the only way they could have won that game is if they were going to play defense, and that's really what they just sat there and like. I think I think what two one it was two one game right two one yeah and, and and the one goal that they let up was like a weird ass deflection from shot the point. from the tank yeah, yeah from the tank from fucking the tank so um and then Tampa yeah we just if we got if we had a lead that was like the best team the Caps have ever like had like if we if we were up on in the game oh we they, were winning every game we just shut shit down. We were yeah, up and they, one they goal, could roll two four lines. That was the yep. perfect part. We had four lines. We had four great centers. So, yep. didn't matter if you put out there defensively, we could kind of match up. Comfortably mm-hmm. roll four lines at that. I mean, holy shit. You oh, know. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were playing without – weren't we playing without Backstrom, without Tom Wilson at one no, point? No, Tom got to – He got Tom to Tampa, played though. game one. He played game one in Tampa. Yeah. He would, have, he would have been back game seven for Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. Correct. But we were just without – Backstrom for a couple games. What did he come back? Game three, maybe? I think so. I think yeah. once he came back, we started losing. Motherfucker. No, I think he came back <laughs> game four. I think I think we went it was up three or four, two, yeah. I think we came up to uh we went up to nothing. Uh so then I think we were like, all right, let's not like speed Give it one more back. game. Yeah, and then we lost uh game three and we were like, All right, yeah, come get back now. Get him back <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah. You're good. Yeah, uh, obviously pivotal, pivotal, pivotal series in Caps history, and obviously in that Stanley Cup run, that was a very good Tampa team. But probably the best, probably the best seven games. I, I keep I keep extending it from the best one game to the best two games to the best just fucking seven games that the Caps ever played. <laughs> yeah, I was a big fan of them all. Big fan of them all. And then obviously that's, we can start breaking that, down the Cup one and the coming episodes. But go ahead. I was gonna say that's that the second half of the. Uh, that second half of that playoff run was just so fun. Yeah, first, once we got over Pitt. Was, yeah, the first half was like fucking st- – I was still like like scared almost. I don't know what it was. You're kind of sketched out. Yeah, oh, that, like, I don't know why well, it's until making you be, Until you beat Pittsburgh, that's when you kind of like you're, – you're eased. Like you're like, oh, fuck, we got over like, Pittsburgh. Whatever we do from here, I'm kind of happy with. And you can kind of yeah. like – I can start to enjoy this now because we're past the second round. Actually, speaking of – so. Right. One thing that I saw on Carolina fans' Twitter that I was digging through earlier today while drinking beers on the deck was um, they're, they're, the reason that they're not happy about the formats because they'd have to play the Rangers in the first round who they're 0-4 against this season. Oh, that makes sense. Like, but, I mean, we were 4-0 versus Carolina yeah, and then they last year in the series, in that first-round series, and they beat us in seven. Yeah, and we played them twice in, like, the last week of the regular season. And we yeah. beat them, like, pretty good. We were, like, we were handedly. Yeah. Like, all right, we'll take them in the first round, easy enough. Yep. Nope. Yeah, never know what's going to happen there. Until yeah, right. Lately. For sure. So we got a second interview with Sandy from First Line Training Center. Our guy hops back on, kind of gives us an update. But we'll end the we'll end the episode with him. Uh, at KPAB, you guys got anything else we want to chat about? Because that's all I've really got hockey talk wise. We we only have so much to talk about, but at least we had that good chunk of fucking 
NHL return to play news. Uh, the only thing I got to say is hopefully we got some more hockey news when we come back on. Hopefully hockey is almost back by then. Um, I'll I'll give the update on my uh, on the playoffs. Oh yeah, you should be in the cup by now. Actually, you went on vacation, so. Um, we won Game Seven. It went to seven games against the Florida Panthers, and that's that. It was great fucking game by the boys in Game Seven. Except nice. Holpe, fuck, Holpe, he fuck. Yeah, we won five three. Okay. Go down two nothing in the first uh, five minutes of the game. I pull. I yanked Holpe. Nice, smart move. I yanked, I yanked him immediately. Uh, the other kid. Uh, so <laughs> NHL eighteen doesn't have Samsonov. Okay. Ooh. So I'm. I have my my backup is Evan Pitt, Fitzpatrick. Don't know who that is. What? But he's a stud apparently. And he's coming in. He shut the door. OV gets us back in it. Um, Wayne Simmons. Oh, yeah, I have Wayne Simmons and not Kolchuk, too. <laughs> Forgot about that part. That's right. Um, OV scores to get us into two to one. Wayne Simmons gets a goal, uh, I think, with two seconds left at the end of the first to tie it up. Got all the momentum. TJ Oshie for the hat trick for the win. Nice. <laughs> That's tight. So yeah. who's, it off, who's it off to now? And now we play the Calgary Flames. Oh, that's kind of tight. For the cup. For the cup. That's kind of nice. tight. That's kind of tight. Well, yeah, that's that's about all I got. Um, KP, anything? I know you're about to win a Super Bowl. Yep. Big Madden guy, so. Who are you playing for? The Redskins. Come on. Oh, okay. Who are you playing in the Super Bowl? I'm not there yet. We're, uh, <laughs> we're still in the season. All right, then. He's got to get March. there. He's got to get there. March. We're nine right, and four. Man. Nine and four right now. Hey, not bad. Hey, we'll take it. But uh, yeah, that's all we got. So let's kick it over to Sandy. Have a good week, and we'll see you guys next Monday. Peace, boys. All right, guys. We're now welcome back on Sandy Cohen from the First Line Training Center. We figured we'd give him a call, see what's up with him during all this. And uh, Sandy, what's going on? How are things? <laughs> uh things are interesting yeah. uh, like everybody we uh we shut down um maybe it was the second week of march we tried to push it as as long as we could but um you know for us it's uh it's uh, a touch challenging because we're such a an experiential type of business you know um we can do the virtual stuff but you know the big thing for us is all the on ice stuff and team training so uh, we've had to reinvent uh, ourselves a little bit, but, um, you know, we got a lot of good stuff planned uh, for the summer. Um, we do uh, five weeks of camp for the summer um, that we're planning to still uh, go ahead with. Um, there's eight uh, coaches here that will uh, will log considerable hours for uh, training during the week. We'll be doing... Um, maybe 250, 250 private lessons, something like that per week. Um, and then we do uh, three different elite camps to go all summer. And I mean, it's super busy. We're just trying to navigate through like everybody else. Yeah. Busy, busy is better. I mean, we're on a zoom call now and you just talked about it. I see all over your social media. You've been doing a bunch of zoom workouts. I mean, how the hell have you, did you try to figure that out? And I mean, what differences do you have to make to try to get these zoom workouts in with these kids? Um, we, uh, when we first started, the, the approach that we took, I think, is a little bit different than um, what I think a lot of people did. We, we 
we started with a class structure. Um, so ours are about 40 minutes and um, we put the kids through a workout um, and we try and give them something that, you know, they can then replicate by themselves, right? So it's, uh, it's quality reps. Um, and we started off doing two a week and then we do five, you know, five of those uh, a week. We limit them to uh, 15 um, uh, participants. So there is some feedback, you know, that we give, but at the end of it, you know, they can, you know, we send them out the drill list. So at the end of it, I mean, they literally can wake up the next day and replicate you know, the, the drill pattern. So for a lot of the kids, um, you know, since we started, I mean, they have dozens and dozens of drills that they can, you know, entire workouts, whether it's cardio stuff, uh, stick work, shooting work. Uh, and then that kind of morphed into all the, the, the privates, which, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a captive audience, but you know, there's nothing like being on the ice. A lot, of, a lot of players have you know a little synthetic pad or something they can toss right. their skates on. But um, so we're doing, I don't know. We, so we do those five classes uh, a week, um, and then we do maybe on top of that another thirty to forty kind of one-on-one lessons. Um, a lot of video stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff that. Um, we kind of had with our business before, but we've been able to kind of slow it down a little bit. Um, like a lot of video review stuff. We do a lot of um, counseling for families and players, you know, next steps. Um, so we're, we're just, we're trying to do our part. And the big thing for us again, is that we're, you know, we're independent. So we don't really care who they are playing for next season or, we're just in the hockey business so we can kind of sit down with a, a, a family and you know kind of plot out next steps um right um quick question do, uh, do you have the guys uh any of the players on like rollerblades or anything like that or are they just standing on the feet um we so we have a couple of rollerblading workouts um okay. but we we're doing so Mondays we do a stick handling class Tuesdays it's um, um, 40 minutes hard of like calisthenics right so they're doing jumping jacks push-ups squat stuff I mean it's all functional balance work that I'd almost rather for them that they're not on skates right um, you can yeah. really come tell a lot about where the balance is um, we come back on uh, Wednesdays and do all agility ladder stuff Thursday it's all stretching and Friday it's shooting so we do some stuff um, rollerblades but um, I'm a humongous proponent of, of that but you know not everybody has them um, so right any uh, most of the stuff you know if kids have some synthetic down I mean we get them in their skates and we take it from there yeah, so kind of going back to the beginning a little bit, I saw you, I mean, and rightfully so, complaining about it on Twitter. You guys kind of got fucked with that small business loan and trying to get some funding to help you guys out. So kind of take us through that situation. You know, this is, uh, this is not a, a, a political lean left or right. If you just take the, the, the facts of it, you know, I mean, we are, we are like the prototypical small uh, uh, business. That, yeah, you know, literally. Started from nothing and, and have grown it, uh, in, into what it is. And, um, we followed every single order, you know, uh, every executive order and, um, we're trying to do all the right stuff, but I mean, it's just been a disaster. I mean, all of the different loans, um, you know, the PPP loan, which essentially just keeps your employees off, you know, unemployment, 
that's still in processing. Um, the EIDL loans are still in processing. Um, the big one is the insurance, you know, um, it's just shameful. I mean, this is why you have coverage, right? And they just deny all the claims. So, um, you know, I think the reality is for many folks, you're, uh, you, you can control cause there's not much money going out. Um, but there's no money coming in, you know? So, right. Um, it's just been rough, you know, it's, it's rough for everybody, but, um, for the folks I think who are doing it the right way and who have to kind of grind through it. I mean, it's, I've spent entire weeks on the phone, just trying to speak to a human being, you know, it's just trying to get a little help. I mean, that's it. Everything's kind of starting to slowly, it, it looks like, come back. I mean, Maryland opened up a couple things, but what do you kind of see as next steps? I mean, if when they hit you guys up and tell you that, yeah, you can open up, what's your kind of plan of attack there in terms of, I'm sure everything's going to be, have to be disinfected with kids in and out of the machinery and the equipment and sweating, and there's probably going to be a cap of how many people can come in there at a time and train. Uh, have you guys put any thought into that? Yeah. So we've, I mean, we've, we, we've used this time and we, we have, we were ready a month ago. I mean, we have an entire, so for us, right, the summer times are a little bit different that um, we do uh, a lot of those camps kind of in the morning. Uh, we got lessons going on, members coming in and out. Um, so we really have, have now kind of sliced each day up into three different sections that, um, you know, in the morning it's uh, specialty clinics and um some elite level camps um 12 to 5 it's going to be just private lessons um again capping how many people can come in here and um uh, then in the evenings it'll be drop in again capping how many people can come in here but each day i mean there's built in entire hours of a cleaning routine and sterilization which i'm not minimizing it it's it's insanely important but um, um so we're all of our summer programming, you know, is still intact. Um, you know, I mean, we, we're kind of a members only facility anyway. So I think we can limit, we've always limited the amount of people that right. come in here. Um, but we'll go through all the, 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 the social distancing and the, and the mask wearing and the, you know, touchless, uh, less kind of interaction when folks walk in and, um, we have the advantage because it's so big, but there'll be limits on how many uh, folks can go where and when people can come. Um, it's going to be dicey. It's going to be dicey for everybody, but um, you know, I mean, we're, if, if, if they, if our County was open, I mean, we'd be ready to go tomorrow. I mean, we've been through it so many times um, that uh, when it opens up, I think we're going to be ready to go. Yeah, for sure. KP, anything to add? Um, I guess, what, what, what's your thoughts on like next year for local youth leagues, like the CBHL, um, even AA, AAA, like, do you, do you think yeah, they're going to be able everything. to start on time or? So I, I honestly, I, that it's, it's a good question. My gut tells me, <clears throat> I don't know this, but my gut tells right. me, um, I don't even think at Rockville, I don't even think they're going to put the ice back down until maybe August, maybe August. Okay. Um, I think it, the landscape is going to change quite considerably, right? Um, you know, for a lot of the tier one programs, they've already made a lot of, um, you know, they're offering contracts towards the end of this month, but um, there's a lot of kids that uh, aren't going to get probably a fair shake or any shake at all to kind of go through the process, uh, at least to try out. And for some of the bigger programs like Montgomery, I mean, there are so many players in that, 
in that um, organization that, that if you take Montgomery, Pride, Team Maryland, I mean, all the programs that skate over at Rockville, throw in the high schools. I mean, there's just not, there's not enough ice. So um, uh, I, I would imagine that um, it's going to be a very, very limited schedule. Um, you know, the other thing to, to consider is that since everything's not opening up state by state the same, that, you know, take New York, for example, like a lot of the tier one programs, they do so much traveling. Right. I don't know if families are going to feel comfortable traveling up to New York or vice versa, having them come down here. Um, so I, I think it's probably going to be a heightened focus on local, right? As much as you can do locally, I bet. Um, I think, to be honest with you, I think it is an amazing opportunity. If you turn this upside down, it is an amazing opportunity for the development side, right? Like I'm the biggest proponent of development. Don't play as many games, right? Where I went to high school up in New England, I mean, for every one game, there was like eight practices, right? I mean, get into the development, get more time in video, get more time, you know, doing systems work, right? I think that that could really benefit, but um, I, I think that it's, I think the landscape is going to be different. Um, and um, there's going to be a lot of folks competing for a very, very limited amount of ice time and a um, very narrow window of this is even if the kids go back to school. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, right. Um, so I think it's going to be different. But um, again, my opinion is it would be an insane opportunity to chase the development side. Right. If, if you really want to help players full 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 games um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff they can do um that doesn't have to be playing games you know i think that's kind of like a money grab right yeah, like, yeah that's where first line training center comes in baby there we go yeah. <laughs> so last thing that i have for you i mean i saw you posting it today it looks like you're plugging some stuff out you need some help around there what all do you need help with for the people that are listening uh, and may be interested so nice of you man so, so my if, if the, the, the amount of phone calls and, and emails that we're getting for, you know, my kid has, I mean, everybody's in the same boat. My kid hasn't been on the ice in over two months. Right. And everyone kind of wants to get back in it. I mean, we're, we're, we're booking so many lessons right now. Camps are just about sold out um, that we're, um, we're always on the lookout for great uh, coaches, great uh, uh, trainers. Um, and just kind of general overall customer service uh, staff. And, um, you know, the, I think it's going to be a very, very busy summer. Um, so we're just trying to get ready for it. Um, but, I mean, there's – if anybody has a hockey lean, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits um, to having um, employment here. Um, and we'd certainly love to have the opportunity to, to speak to as many of them as they want. You know, we do classes, summer camps. I mean, we have opportunities really for, for everybody. Sure. KP, anything else you got? Um, I guess uh, I want to get it. I want to take, get your take on the NHL um, and, and what they, they can do. Um, I mean, we talked a little on our last pod about uh, the 2014 playoff situation. Like what's your take on that? Do you think that's kind of breaking the integrity letting 24 teams instead of the usual 16, I think it is. I, I, I think, I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you guys. I mean, I remember, you know, when it, 
when it wasn't, um, you know, seated like it is now in terms of every division gets, you know, a couple. I mean, it was just the top eight teams in the conference. They get in and in some divisions it was six teams and some divisions they had like no teams in, in the, the play or one team in the playoffs. Right. Um, I don't love that, you know, um, but I understand why they're, they're probably going that route. Um, you know, a, a lot of sport industries are going to have a challenging time. Like what is the new normal? Right. So you gotta, you gotta come back with relevance. And I think the more teams that they get involved, um, that's more cities, it's more revenue, it's more people uh, working, it's more interest. So I understand why they're doing it, but you know, this year will always have rightly or wrongly. It's going to have that asterisk, you know, that it's just, it's just one of those things, man. Yeah. Um, But it makes it tough. It makes it tough, but you know, I think everybody's trying to do probably the best that they can, but you know, um, the NHL was on a roll, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's very relevant and it was on a roll and then it stops and all of a sudden it's like, well, when it comes back, is it going to be on a roll again? Right. So that's just my gut. I think they're trying to throw a pretty, pretty wide net, but I don't love it, but. It is what it is. We'll see. So there it is guys. First line training center, Sandy Cohen. I know you said you're busy, but hit them up, go get developed. We talked about it. The busier, the better over there. Right. That's it. And honestly, I mean, congrats to you guys. You guys, you guys are humping it, man. It's uh, we love listening um, um, to you guys. We love seeing it grow and, you guys are getting some big time guests on there. I, this might be my last appearance. The way you guys <laughs> oh, no, we're always mixing no, no. in the local you're, you're stuff. You're a recurring oh, guest for sure. Well, you guys Same are welcome money. here anytime, man. Honestly, anything we can do to help, we're happy to do it.